Good morning. Welcome to our July 26th live streaming service from Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. We're comforted to be in the house of our Lord with our church family. This Sunday we have Pastor John Gordy of RUF, which is a Reformed University Fellowship at Valdosta State. Uh, bringing the message. He will also share a bit about RUF and the very encouraging things that are happening there. Next Sunday, Marion will return and be in our pulpit. Refer to your bulletin for further announcements. Let us prepare our hearts for worship. to worship this morning is from the 98th Psalm, the first three verses. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Father, we humbly ask for your guidance during this time of distress and great concern. 
Our world seems to have endless challenges because of a pandemic. Your promise of salvation and your love for us are sufficient to calm all that uncertainty. You are the steady rock of our lives. You're in control. Please guide and direct us during this time. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Please join us in singing, Speak, O Lord. Confession of faith today is the Nicene Creed. Please join with me. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of a Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall never end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, I believe in one holy and apostolic church, I, one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
here, but also for our community and uh, the world around us. And then afterwards, we'll uh, together we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. So join me now as we come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we know that these are uncertain and trying times for us all. Uh, we know that at the same time, uh, that none of what is going on in the world surprises you in any way. Uh, you are sovereign and you know all that comes to pass. Uh, we are reminded of the early church when it was scattered uh, beyond Jerusalem because of persecution. It was discouraging uh, to these early believers to be scattered, to be run out from their homes. Uh, but Lord, we know from your word that you were at work in the midst of those difficult times. Your hand was with the church. And a great number of people came to faith uh, in the gospel as it was preached beyond Jerusalem. Uh, you, Lord, you were at work then taking care of your church and we are reminded by this, that you will take care of your church now, today. Uh, Lord, you are with us. Help us to believe this. Teach us to trust you. Sanctify us, even in the midst of uncertain and difficult times. Lord, as we come before you now, too, we ask that you would be with all of those uh, that have been impacted by COVID over the last three to four months, that you would bring healing to those who need healing, that you would bring protection to those who need protection. Uh, We think of those... Uh, with jobs and the uncertainties that, that are at play there, with children uh, returning to school and family members who are at risk and others. Uh, we pray that you would provide and protect them in the midst of all that's taking place in our world. We think of those even within your congregation here at Lake Oconee Presbyterian uh, who have suffered from this virus in recent days and weeks. And we pray uh, that you would bring healing to them, quick healing, uh, strengthen them, sustain their spirits, Lord, bring healing to them and prevent the spread of this virus. In fact, Lord, that you would heal your world and and rid your world of this sickness, Lord, and all of its effects, that you would steady us in the midst of the storm. And we admit, too, Lord, in the midst of times like these, uh, when trying and difficult times come, we want to control things. And it frustrates us when life doesn't work the way we want it to. So, Lord, we ask that you remind us that even in the midst of this, you are at work in the midst of your people, even when it doesn't feel like it. We tend to put our trust in other things and idols that will bring us comfort. Uh, we trust in our own wisdom. We trust in, our, in materialism. We trust in college football or politics or government or whatever it might be. There's something that we always turn to uh, that's a false idol, a false sense of hope and security. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to die to these idols and remain in you. Uh, knowing that you are abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness to all those who call upon you. We pray for the needs of your congregation here in the Lake Oconee area. Uh, There are many needs right here in this part of your kingdom. We pray that you would bless the pastor search team as they meet this coming Wednesday for the first time, that you would give them wisdom and direction as to the man you are calling to pastor your people here during this time, for such times as these that we're in the midst of. Call this man in your time. We ask, too, Lord, that you would be with Pastor Marion and Ginger as they travel. Uh, Give them the rest they need during this time away. And, Lord, we know there are many other needs unspoken uh, here in the midst of your people. And you know them, Lord, and we pray that you would be at work and and meet uh, your people in the midst of these things. Uh, That you would give them comfort and faith and peace and contentment. And anything else they might need, that you would continue to reveal your grace and mercy to us. That we might walk with you. And during this time, Lord, we think of our leaders, those you have placed over us at the local and state and national levels. Uh, These men and women are faced with multiple challenges each and every day as they navigate life uh, under COVID, under a pandemic. We pray that you would give them strength and wisdom, uh, clearness of thought as they lead in the midst of these times. Uh, Enable them too, Lord, to, to rule with mercy, justice, and humility. Give them courage in the days ahead. Sustain them in all that they do. And Lord, we recognize too that in the midst of times like these that powers and principalities are at work in something like a pandemic and all that we are facing right now. And they they would want to use these things to divide your people. And so Lord, we pray that all of the divisive issues that can come to the surface in times like these would not be used uh, to separate and bring conflict within your people. Help us to be guided by kindness and compassion. 
Help us to love our neighbors, that we would think of others and their well-being before our own. That these divisive issues would not tear your people apart. And we ask too, Lord, that you would bring healing to the racial divide going on in our country. Uh, That we would be good listeners, uh, that we would seek your will as we navigate through these times. That the gospel would shape us as we face these times. Lord, we believe you are at work among your people. You are at work in the world we live in. Continue to be at work here at Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church, in Greene County and Putnam County and all the surrounding areas, as well as throughout your world. That you would call people to yourself and enable them to follow you in these uncertain times. That you would take care of your church, just as you did in those early days when they were scattered. That you would remain faithful to us and bless us. And now, Lord, we come together as your people, praying that prayer you taught your disciples, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Good morning. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, it's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I'm John Gordy, uh, RUF campus minister with Valdosta State University in South Georgia. Uh, so uh, greetings from the south end of the Presbytery all the way to the northern part of the Presbytery. It's good to be here uh, with you all this morning. I'm sorry my wife and our two girls couldn't be with us. Um, we we really, uh, we were this close to coming and we were talking with George and Barb Roundtree and we just, during this time, we were just thinking, you know, less exposure the better uh, at this time as you all have been navigating these times as well. Uh, and so, but we would love to uh, get the chance to come back and all of us visit uh, at some time. But um, it is, uh, it's good to be working with RUF. I've been there a year. Um, uh, we appreciate uh, Lake Oconee Prez and even before we were there and the ways y'all supported the the RUF there, and uh, it's just good to connect with you all, and, and good to connect with the Round Trees. We we connected uh, some three years ago when I was assistant pastor at PCA Church up in Rochester, Minnesota, and so I was telling them yesterday. I never thought three years later I would be here uh, with with them and with you all at Lake Oconee preaching and and serving you all today. But it's good to be here. Um, and our our first year of ministry, of course, we ended ended under social distancing and COVID, but uh, we've seen good things happening. Uh, there on campus in Valdosta, uh, we've seen uh, just the need. Uh, there's there's such a need for a biblical uh, presence and ministry on the campus there. Um, we ha- we have a diverse group of students, and it's just uh, great to be able to um, reach these students, reach them with the gospel, and and equip them to serve the Lord and what it looks like to to be a part of the church. And so uh, we're just we're thankful for the opportunity to be there. Um, one quick story I'll just share with you. Uh, last May, in the midst of, of course, social distancing and, and COVID, uh, we've been apart for a month and a half or so. Uh, we couldn't meet in person. We were doing things through Zoom and so forth. And I had a student text me and tell me uh, that he had come come to faith. He had he had been converted. And so it was great news to hear. It was encouraging to hear in the midst of this that God's still at work. And that's the other thing we've seen uh, as God continues to be at work. Uh, I'm sure he's at work here through the ministry uh, at Lake Oconee Prez. He's continued to be at work through the ministry at RUF at Valdosta State, uh, even as we're separated. Uh, and, and none of these things surprise him. And so it just gives us comfort and courage to know uh, that God's with us um, during these times. And so um, I will say real briefly, too, uh, I did put... On the back table here, uh, I know we're trying to funnel people out uh, as soon as they can to the outside, but in the, uh, in the coming weeks, or if, if you want to uh, get our email updates and things like that, um, I left a sign-up sheet in the back uh, with a, a little bit of information about our family and RUF, Valdosta State. Um, it's the, the material is a little outdated, just be, but um, it still gives a good picture of, of who we are and what we're doing on campus. And so... Um, uh, those are free for you to pick up if you'd like to in the coming weeks. And uh, if you'd like to get our email updates, we'd love to keep keep you up to date on what's going on on campus as we prepare uh, for the school year. Uh, however that may look. It's going to look different this year, but we, we know God's at work even in the midst of it. So uh, thankful to be here this morning. Um, but now we're going to come to God's word this morning. And so uh, we're in Mark uh, chapter 4, uh, the last uh, section of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And uh, just to give us a little bit of context and situate us uh, in, in Mark 4, Jesus has been teaching and healing uh, in the area around the Sea of Galilee uh, for some time. And um, this is a story about Jesus calming the storm on the sea, a, stor- a story you may have heard growing up in the church or in Sunday school. Or, uh, but it's, uh, it's the story of Jesus. And, you know, he's the hero. He saves the day. But as we really get into the story this morning... Uh, it, it really uh, gets into a lot more than just that, and it begins to reveal to us some of the big questions we ask in life as human beings. Uh, for example, why do bad things happen to us? And when bad things happen to us, when we're in difficult and trying times, where is God at in all that? Does God care about us? And so we'll get into these emotions uh, that we uh, respond to these things with, uh, fear and doubt, worry and anger. All these things come out in our story this morning and have something uh, to say to us. And so I, I pray and hope that it provides uh, comfort and hope to us this morning, even in the midst of our recent times. And so with that said, let me read and then I'll pray for us and we'll get into uh, the text. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray just over these next few moments that you would encourage us and reveal yourself to us, reveal uh, great things about you to us in this time. Uh, We pray for your spirit and his work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why does God allow hurricanes? Why does God allow hurricanes? This was a question asked to me about two years ago now, uh, in, when we were still living in Rochester, Minnesota. And we were, this question was asked to me by one of our neighbor's, uh, kids in our backyard. A couple families had gotten to know each other in the neighborhood we lived at in Rochester. And so our families were hanging out one day, and their little seven-year-old girl asked me, why does God allow hurricanes? And so it was a great question. It was an honest question. And it was a question that was really, had hit home to her, because uh, this all took place in the wake of Hurricane Florence hitting the southeastern Gulf Coast uh, about two years ago this, this September. And this little girl's, uh, some of her family had been impacted by that because they had a, a cousin that was uh, living in the Panama City area. And so uh, but she was asking, why does God allow hurricanes? A great question. And I think what she was really asking was, why uh, do bad things happen to us? And why does God allow those things uh, to happen to us? This is a question that we all ask as human beings. Uh, why, for example, why is my job difficult? Uh, why are my customers, my patients, uh, the folks I work with, why are they so difficult? Why can't my children just listen to me and do uh, what we ask them to do? Why do they not care about the Lord? Why do they not care about Jesus in any way? Uh, why does my car not work right? Why do things break and not work properly in, in my house? Uh, why can't I get along with my spouse? You're tired of arguing and fighting. Or whatever it might be when, when we lose our jobs or whatever it might be, uh, there's uncertainty in our work or whatever's going on in our lives. We ask ourselves this question. When life doesn't go the way we planned it to, we ask the, these questions and we become angry. Uh, and we wonder, does God really care about us? That's what the disciples were asking this morning. That's what we're asking as we experience death and sickness, uh, miscarriage, abuse. We've suffered from abuse. Whatever it might be. Uh, there are a number of other things that we, we face and experience in this life that are challenging and trying to us. Uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now, in the midst of this coronavirus. You know, why are these things happening to us? And so oftentimes, when these things happen, our response is to, uh, to be afraid, to, to give in to fear and to worry, and we doubt God's goodness. Does God care about us? Is He really with us? And so, like the disciples, we get angry with God. We question God. And so... Uh, we wonder if God's really good. And so this morning, I hope our text brings us comfort and hope uh, in the midst of our current times, but also in whatever it is that you might be dealing with today. Uh, I, of course, this is my first time visiting here, and I don't know you all uh, at this point, but I know there are things you're facing right now uh, that are challenging, that are trying. And so uh, my, my hope and prayer is that God will uh, give us uh, comfort in the midst of all that we have going on as we look at look at his text this morning. And so... Uh, as we turn there, um, in verse 35, we, we see that Jesus, he's been teaching to these crowds, as I mentioned a few moments ago. Uh, he's been teaching them in parables, and at this point, he's ready to go across to the other side of the sea uh, to continue teaching the gospel and the preaching about the kingdom of God. In fact, that's what he told us back in Mark chapter 1. That's why he came out, was to preach the gospel, to preach the good news of the kingdom. And so he leaves the crowds uh, with his disciples, and they head to the other side of the sea. And uh, no sooner than they uh, embark on the sea in this boat than this great windstorm uh, comes upon them. Mark calls it a great windstorm. It could also be translated, that word uh, that was translated as great windstorm could be translated as a hurricane. And so it was hurricane-type conditions, hurricane-type weather that was taking place on the sea that day as, as the warm air from the Sea of Galilee uh, met the cold air coming off the mountains and the hills that surround the sea. Uh, it produced a pretty violent and sudden storm on the sea. In fact, that still happens today. Uh, these type storms still come upon the sea. And so maybe even you've had those type storms come upon the lake here in the Yoconi area. And so it was not just any little storm, but it was a pretty violent occurrence. Uh, waves 
are, are crashing into the boat. The boat's beginning to fill with water. Uh, the wind is, is swirling and howling around them. Uh, the boat's beginning to fill up with water. And you got to think, these disciples, um, it's interesting because the disciples are afraid. Mark tells us that. And they're starting to panic. They're starting to worry. And these are men uh, who, some of them were fishermen before Jesus uh, came and called them to follow him. They were fishermen. Uh, they had grown up around the Sea of Galilee. And they're afraid. And so if these experienced fishermen are afraid, it's got to be a pretty big storm taking place on the sea. And so as all this chaos is starting to take place, uh, the storm is raging around them. The disciples panic, and they turn around and they look for Jesus. In verse 38, they find Jesus asleep on a cushion. Mark even gives us that detail. That he was asleep on a cushion. And so how can that be? The disciples, in their time of need, and, and they turn to Jesus and look to him. This is this man who's, who's cast out demons. Uh, he has healed the sick. He's healed a paralytic and done all these miracles and wonders. And Jesus is asleep. And so you've got to imagine their frustration uh, as they turn to him. And they say, Master, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In other words, that we're about to drown. But that's the same question that we ask Jesus, that we ask God. When life hits us, we accuse God, we put him on trial, and we wonder... Do you not care about us, God? Do you not care what I'm going through? Do you not care that my health is failing? Do you not care that I've suffered great harm? Uh, that my child doesn't care anything about the gospel or whatever it might be? Do you not care, Lord, that I don't have enough money or I'm criticized for my work? I'm not appreciated by my family, by my spouse, or whatever it might be. When life doesn't go the way we want it to, we get angry with God. We get frustrated and we accuse Him. We put Him on trial much like the disciples did. And what's really going on here is we want satisfaction. We want life to work the way it's supposed to. And in one sense, that's a good thing that we want satisfaction because we're realizing that life in this world as it is now doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Something's wrong with it. It's been, it's been knocked off course, so to speak. And we know that it's been knocked off course by sin and the fall and the curse and all these things. But it still makes... Life difficult and we want satisfaction. Just like the disciples, they didn't want to die. They did not want to drown. And so they questioned Jesus and they say, Lord, do you not care that we're about to drown? Do you not care that we're about to die? And so the sudden nature of their question reveals to, to us their fear, their anger at Jesus. That same fear and anger that oftentimes we respond to God when things don't work the way we want them to. Uh, and so what we're failing to see and what the disciples are failing to see is that when life seems out of control and the waves of life are hitting us time after time like those waves were crashing into the boat and filling it with water that day on the sea, we fail to see, the disciples fail to see that God's with us. Jesus is with us. Because where's Jesus in our story? Jesus isn't over on the shore. He isn't like, hey guys, y'all figure it out on your own. Jesus is present with his disciples and he's with them. He's asleep, but he's, at least he's in the boat. He's with them. He's present with them. And so it reminds us that God is with us. Jesus is with us as we go through uh, these trying times. He hasn't abandoned us. And so it means that God still cares about us. He's present with us as we go through trying times. And so Jesus, though, has responded to his disciples. Uh, he's responded to their panic, their worry, and he calms the storm. Uh, in verse 39, he rebuked the wind and... In other words, he brought it into submission to his authority. He spoke to it, to the wind and the sea, and he said, Peace, be still. In other words, uh, he was telling it to uh, remain in this condition and, and to not change. And so just as quickly as the storm comes upon the disciples and Jesus, is just as quickly does it go away, it disappears. Uh, the snap of a finger, Jesus calms the storm. And so the disciples, you've got to imagine what they're thinking. They're wondering, what is going on here? What in the world is going on here? And what's going on is Jesus uh, is conforming nature to his direction. Uh, nature is submitting uh, to Jesus' authority. In fact, Jesus was the one who was there in the beginning with God when God created all things. Out of nothing, Jesus was there. Colossians 1 tells us, by him and through him all things were created in heaven and on earth. And so the wind and the waves... And the storm, they're responding to Jesus. Jesus is bringing order out of chaos, much like God did back in Genesis 1 uh, when, he, when he created uh, all things. And so Jesus is beginning to reveal more and more of who he is and, and that he is uh, God, God in the flesh, uh, living and walking in skin and bones on earth. He's revealing that more and more to his disciples in the story this morning. And he's revealing uh, that he has power over creation. He has power uh, to calm the danger posed to them. 
And so it reminds us this morning that Jesus, even in the midst of trying times, even in the midst of a pandemic, in the times we're in right now, these uncertain times, Jesus has the power to quiet our troubles. And what that means is that we can run to him, we can turn to him and go to him uh, when these things happen. When we're facing difficult and trying times, we can turn and run to him, go to him in prayer because Jesus provides all the healing and all the rest that we need as we go through life. So that brings up the question, even though Jesus has the power to quiet our troubles, what happens when uh, they don't stop, when life uh, doesn't change? Does it mean God doesn't care? And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us, but it does, uh, we are reminded in other places in Scripture that God does allow us to go through storms uh, to, uh, to try us and to, uh, to test us and to increase our faith, to increase our reliance Upon him. In fact, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, uh, You've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we hear that and we say, well, that's easy for Peter to say. Peter was uh, an apostle. He was an early leader in the church. Uh, Peter was perfect. He had things figured out. But if you know anything about Peter's life, Peter didn't have things figured out. He would go on to deny Jesus three times when he was arrested. Uh, and, and he would suffer in many other ways. He was a leader in the early church. But he also, uh, in Acts chapter 3 and 4 and other places uh, in, in that part of Scripture, Peter suffered for his faith in Christ. And in fact, he was later put to death uh, in the hands of Nero for his faith and his, his following of Christ. And so Peter knew a little bit about suffering. And he knew as hard as it was and as difficult as it was, uh, it was there and he could bring glory to God in the way that he went about it. And so God uses these things to uh, increase our faith, to uh, enable us and, and force us to turn to him. And, and maybe that's something you've experienced over these last few months and all that we've had going on in our world, um, turning to Jesus, looking to him, calling upon his name. But what about when life doesn't, Stop. When the storms don't stop, how do we respond? Uh, when the waves of life keep hitting us time after time, just like the waves were hitting those disciples that day on the sea, how are we to respond? Well, very simply, we're to trust God. And that is easier said than done, of course. Uh, we know that intellectually and theologically trust God, but practically in the day-to-day of life, it's a lot harder to trust Him. Uh, we don't always understand why things happen to us the way they do, but we know that if Jesus is God and he was willing to die and suffer on our behalf so that those who believe in Jesus might have uh, peace and reconciliation with God, we know that God is good enough and great enough to allow uh, these things that we're going through in our lives, even when we can't understand them. Um, I myself uh, don't understand the hard things that I've faced uh, in, in my lifetime. Uh, for example, my wife and I uh, have experienced two miscarriages uh, in our lifetime uh, together. And I don't understand why those things happen. Well, let me say, I do intellectually and theologically, I, re- I get that it's a result of, of the broken world we live in. But at the same time, practically in the, you know, the day-to-day, it's hard to understand that. And we may not completely ever understand that. But what we do know, and what I do know, uh, is that God is God, and we're not. And we can trust that His, His reasons are for our own good, even when we don't understand uh, them. But at the same time, uh, this doesn't excuse the pain uh, that we experience in this life. Uh, the pain that we face is real. It's real. But at the same time, Jesus is greater than any pain and suffering that we go through because he was willing to die so that we might have peace and reconciliation and forgiveness before God. And so Jesus does have the power to quiet our troubles. He has the power to quiet our troubles. And so he's done that in our story this morning. He's calmed the storm on the sea. Uh, and you would think... You know, he saved the day. Everything's okay. Story's over. Uh, this, this last part of Mark chapter 4 is kind of like a movie or a story uh, that ends. Uh, the conflict has been resolved. Uh, the hero saves the day. And then there's a twist or a turn at the end, and there's another 15 minutes to the story. Or it leaves you kind of like with a cliffhanger. And so that's what happens in Mark chapter 4 at the end here in verses 40 and 41. Uh, Mark leaves us with this cliffhanger, so to speak. Because in verse 40, Jesus questions his disciples. He's calmed the storm, but the disciples are still afraid, Mark tells us. And so he says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? 
In other words, do you not trust that my saving power is with you in the boat? I'm with you. And so that's the same question though, that we uh, need to ask ourselves. Do we not trust Jesus when we're in the midst of pain and hardship and disappointment? In fact, the, even a better question is where are we finding, when hard times come, where are we finding our hope and comfort? Oftentimes it's in anything but God. Oftentimes it's in uh, these idols, these replacements for God that, that we put in our lives that we think are going to bring us peace and comfort uh, and contentment. But they will fail us. They will let us down in some way, shape, or form. And so what Jesus is telling us this morning, he's telling his disciples, is turn to me, trust in me, and I will see you through the storm. Not these other things you turn to, but I will see you through the storm. That's what Jesus is reminding them this morning. But it's ironic that as Jesus tells them this, uh, their fear remains. Verse 41, Mark tells us they were filled, in fact, with great fear. And they say, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You would think that the disciples... Uh, after Jesus has calmed the storm, they would be excited, they would be relieved, they would be comforted. But they're not. Their fear increases. And what's going on is that at some small level, the disciples are beginning to realize that Jesus' presence with them, in fact, Jesus being with them, God in some way uh, is present with them. They're beginning at some small level to see this. They don't have it figured out yet, of course. Uh, it would take them um, a lot, a lot more um, life to be lived to really see who Jesus was. And, and some of them really didn't even understand until after his resurrection. But they're beginning at a small level to see who Jesus is. And it, it unsettles them. In fact, it terrifies them. They're filled with great fear. And the reason they're filled with this fear is because they can't control Jesus. Obviously, when the storm was going on, where's Jesus? He was in the boat asleep. And so he doesn't always do things according to their plan. And that's just like us. Uh, we can't control God, and it frustrates us because we prefer for God to be predictable, to be manageable, uh, to do things the way we want Him to. But if we know, if we live one day on this earth, that God doesn't always do things according to our plan. But, but at the same time, like I said, the disciples are beginning to see uh, that, that Jesus, in some way, uh, God is present with them. And it fills them with great fear. Much like uh, Martin Luther uh, many years ago, was filled with great fear uh, upon conducting his first Mass as a Catholic priest. Most of us know Martin Luther as uh, one of the leaders of the Reformation. And, but before that, of course, he was ordained as a Catholic priest. And one of his first official duties as a newly ordained Catholic priest was to conduct his first Mass. And so Luther began the ceremony uh, with great calm, great composure. Uh, he had been trained well. Uh, he was carrying out the service uh, in the ways that he had been taught. And then he got to the prayer of consecration and he froze. He began to sweat. His lips began to quiver and shake. And he would try to speak and nothing would come out of his mouth. Nothing. He couldn't speak. And this went on for a few moments. He tried to speak. Silence. Nothing was coming out of his mouth. And so, very quickly, after this went on for a few moments, Luther sat back down, took a seat. He was embarrassed. He had failed in his first official duty as a Catholic priest. And so his explanation some years later for what took place that day, what was going on with him, uh, this is what he said. He said, For I am dust and ashes and full of sin, and I am speaking to the living, eternal, and true God. I am speaking to the living, eternal, and true God. And so this was a question that haunted Luther uh, really for the, most, uh, the rest of his life. In other words, he was asking, How can a sinner like himself stand in God's presence? And that's the same question, though, that the disciples are asking this morning. How can they, as men, as sinners, who are not worthy to stand in God's presence, because God is holy, and they're beginning to see in some way that Jesus is God with them, uh, how can they stand in Jesus' presence? How can they stand in God's presence? And so the reason the disciples are still afraid, the reason that we're afraid uh, when we're before God is that we're exposed, we're undone. Uh, We recognize that we are are sinful men and women uh, in the presence of God. And that's what the disciples were recognizing that that day on the sea. In fact, Jesus' uh, healing, uh, excuse me, healing, uh, calming the storm on the sea was really meant to move the disciples to discipleship, to following and trusting Jesus. And instead, their fear increases because they don't know what to do with Jesus. But at the same time, we don't know what to do with Jesus when life hits and we're in the midst of, of challenging and difficult times, uncertain times, uh, we don't know what to do with Jesus. Uh, we wonder, we become angry like the disciples, and we wonder, you know, where's God at all this? Why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't God 
uh, stop the storm like he did that day on the Sea of Galilee. Because we want life to be easy. And so we wonder, why doesn't God stop the storm just like that day on the Sea of Galilee? And so what we fail to see is God has stopped the storm. It's just not the storm that we're typically thinking about. Because if you think about the story of Jesus calming the storm on the sea with the disciples, uh, very closely in some ways resembles uh, the story of Jonah we find in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus and Jonah are both men uh, who are at a, in a boat. storm comes upon them on the sea. Uh, both men are uh, awakened by those who think they're about to die and perish. And of course in both stories... Uh, the storm was stopped when uh, supernatural intervention uh, calmed the storm, stopped the storm. In the case of Jonah, when Jonah was hurled into and tossed into the sea, uh, God stopped the storm. And so the difference in the two stories is really just that Jesus himself wasn't thrown into the storm in Mark 4. Or was he? Because uh, if we think and look elsewhere in, in Scripture, in, in the other Gospels, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus uh, says, speaking of himself, says something greater then Jonah is here. And of course, like I said, Jesus was talking about himself. And so how can we say that Jesus was thrown into the storm? Because he wasn't thrown into the storm that day on the sea. But he was the one who would willingly suffer and die for us and go to the cross and, and, and um, face uh, God's wrath and punishment for sins. So we didn't have to do that. And so in one sense, Jesus has stopped the storm. It's just not the storm we typically think about, but he has stopped the storm of God's wrath and punishment for us. And so, as we go through life and think about all these needs and challenges we have, and, and those things are real, uh, and, but the thing that we need most is peace and reconciliation with God. And that's what Jesus provides us uh, through the cross, uh, through the storm of the cross. And so faith in Jesus overcomes our greatest need, and that's peace and reconciliation with God, with our Creator. And so one day, Jesus is going to do away uh, with all uh, sin and death and brokenness. He's going to come all the storms and all the hurts and sorrows and disappointments that we face in life. And on that day, he's going to free God's world from sin and death forever. And there'll be no more storms that kill people, no more hurricanes, no more miscarriages, no more abuse, or whatever it might be, no more sickness, no more suffering. And believe it or not, no more coronavirus. All these things will be done away with. There'll be no more racial injustice and unrest. Um, all these things will be done away with. All the suffering and, and the effects of the curse and the fall that we experience in life will be done away with on that day. But in the moment, that doesn't make life always easier. Because as I mentioned earlier, we are going to face trying times. We are going to face difficulties. But we can have confidence and comfort even in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of these storms, because Jesus is in the boat. Uh, we saw that this morning. Jesus was in the boat with his, his disciples. And so he didn't abandon them. If Jesus didn't abandon them in that greatest storm he ever faced, uh, at the, the cross where he was separated from God his Father, and he suffered our punishment uh, that we deserve for our sins, then Jesus won't abandon us in these much smaller storms uh, that we face each and every day in our lives. And so as we realize this, this gives us comfort. comfort. It gives us confidence each and every day as we put one foot in front of the other. We are reminded uh, as we face these storms in our lives, that Jesus is with us. He's in the boat. Uh, he's in the boat with us now. We've been in the boat three or four months, so to speak, uh, here in, in our country. And, and we're going to be there. Uh, and, and God continues to be with us. Jesus continues to be with us in that boat. He's greater. Jesus is greater than all the pains and the sufferings that we go through in life because he's, he's in the boat with us. And so that gives us comfort and confidence as we go and put one foot in front of the other each day, knowing what Christ did for us at the cross, that he was hurled uh, into the storm and faced God's wrath and punishment for us for our sins. And so that gives us confidence and comfort in these much smaller storms uh, that we face each and every day because Jesus, he's in the boat with us. He will not abandon us. He's in the boat with us. He's present with us as we go through these things. So let me pray for us now. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you uh, for the comfort, for the confidence uh, that it gives us, the hope that it gives us. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, that you are with us. You're in the boat with us. And you have faced uh, that most awful of storms that we don't have to face uh, because of what you did for us at the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll sing our closing hymn now. Spirit.
And now we'll receive the Lord's benediction, His blessing to us as He sends us out from here today as His people in the world. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Amen.